product they liked having the access point i got to the shop i'm locking everything up and putting all the product back in the vault and this i look outside and here's this uh taxi and out stands this little old woman she was in her 80s she had a cane she was having trouble getting out of the out, out of the taxi and she's walking up gingerly to the door and she sees closed by court order and she just sat there stared in awe like well what am i going to do this is what i need you know the elderly people are looking for for an alternative to pharmaceuticals that are, they don't think are good for them and they can't afford them. And this poor old lady, the city council just told her to stick it. Today's interview is a story of perseverance, community support, and paving the way for new industry in our area. We welcome Matt Plemons of Greenfield to discuss his venture into the world of cannabis. Matt's vision for safe and accessible cannabis in Clarkston was stifled many times while facing the stonewall of a county moratorium. It's only through the support of the community that his business was able to open. In addition to overcoming legal hurdles, Matt has also been instrumental in educating the city council and consumers respectively about cannabis. And now OSP would like to give a special shout out to Kat at Greenfield on behalf of Matt. Kat is the manager of Greenfield. She is the heart and soul of Greenfield cannabis and oversees a lot of glass and goods as well. Matt absolutely loves her. She works tirelessly every day and without her, Greenfield would not be the company that it is. For more on this story, stay tuned after a brief breakdown of this weekend's events. All right, we have a lot of events happening this weekend. And don't forget that this weekend, we have a leap day. It is a leap year, and you have one whole extra day to live your life. So why don't you get on out there, go do something. There's a lot of fun things happening. Uh, We'll get to what's happening on your leap day, your extra day of the year um, in just a second. But on Friday, the 28th... uh, If you really want to, you can come see me play at Pareja Cellars at 7 p.m. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been there in a while. Uh, So come on out. They have great wine. Uh, You can bring in food, appetizers if you want. They're they're fun to uh, talk to. Um, It's an awesome place. We also have the YWCA Support Our Shelters event at 11 a.m. in Lewiston. And if you're not able to make it to the Y, you can also be a part of the event at Art Uncorked at 12. Also, Friday, monthly meeting at Zany's. Welcome uh, the women motorcycle enthusiasts, and that starts at 7. After that, you can head down to Jolly Moors in Lewiston and catch Shania Raleigh at 8.30. And if you're uh, looking to get out of the valley, Lionel Hampton Jazz Festival is going on this weekend at the U of I, so head up the hill and check that out. Now, to your extra day, Saturday, February 29th, Uh, And I just want to say real quick, happy birthday to all you Leap Year people out there. I want to give you some special love. Always a minor, never, I don't know. But it's really cool if you have a birthday today. Uh, We had an episode a few weeks ago with Drew telling us all about fly fishing. And this weekend on Saturday, you can head up to the North 40 at 11 a.m. They're talking about how to target trophy rainbow trout. So go get some tips on trout fishing this Saturday. 
at the Moscow Library. Again, out of town for this one. They're having a community seed swap from 11 to 1. So go up there and plan your garden. That's coming right around the corner. It's never too early to prepare for gardening season. And you could probably start now if you've got a greenhouse. Uh, the winter CMS sensory showing of Babe is happening at the Lewiston Village Center C- uh, Theaters at 10.30 a.m. So that's very cool. They're having a sensory showing, and Babe is great. Uh, that'll do, Drew. <laughs> also, you don't want to miss it. It's Lewiston Brewfest at the Nez Perce County Fairgrounds at 2 p.m., Uh, That is always a very popular event. Go out and try local and regional beers of all varieties. And then, after Brewfest, go on down to Hogan's, and uh, they're having a great trio, some of the best musicians that this valley has produced. We've got uh, Eric Bowen, Hagen, and Jiraki. They're all very, very talented, and it starts at 10 p.m., uh, and, and that's at Hogan's. So just go on down and you got to have a great day this Saturday. Live your life, live up, fill up that extra day. And, uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. We have Matt Plemons in the studio. Thank you for coming in. Thanks Matt, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Matt owns Greenfield Cannabis. You're the owner and founder. Mm-hmm. And then we were just talking about this, but you also own the Cigar Shop and Greenfield Glass Company, right? That's right. Yep. Yep, I do. In fact, I, I should mention Aaron Tatum. He's a co-owner of of the uh, the pot shop, and uh, he owns a, a smaller percentage of it, and he's a half owner of the glass shop. Okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. Aaron Tatum. Aaron Tatum. He's a, a, a Seattle Guy originally, great designer, had a design company over in Seattle, and, and we made friends there years ago, and and uh, yeah, we came together. And, and you spent some time in Western Washington before you moved back to the Valley, right? I did. To yep. start Greenfield? I, uh-huh. I was there for eight years in West Seattle, did a lot of different things. One of them happened to be getting into the medical cannabis arena back in, I think it was 2010 or 11, 2011, I think it was. When did uh, marijuana become, or cannabis become medical in Washington, oh well, I couldn't zero that down to an actual date, but it, it was a gray market all the way back into the '90s. They were mm. turning a blind eye, blind eye to it as far as law enforcement and letting um, medical patients have access to it in to, to some degree, and it just kept on along that line and growing and growing and growing until we got into the uh, 2012 era when it was it was really. It really heated up at that point, from from probably two thousand five until two thousand eleven, when the, the the signatures were getting collected um, and uh, putting it on, getting onto the ballot, and uh, working with the ACLU as far as architecting it, all that stuff. I know in two thousand eleven, my roommate had a caregiver license. Mm-hmm. And he grew a few plants for a Vietnam vet that lived down the road. And that was in 2011, but I don't know exactly how legal that was. It, like I said, it was, a, it was the gray market. And that was allowed to flourish for a few years, probably from that 2005 until the 2012 when we, when we had the vote. And um, they had a, a structure for it. It was unregulated, but it basically said if you, if you have a, a, an authorization or a recommendation from a doctor – you could grow up to 
15 plants. And if you didn't know how to do it, you get to some, give, get with somebody who could, as long as they had your documentation on site, they could right. grow the plants for you. And you could have collectives and um, basically if you had, you could have unlimited amount of, of patient authorizations and grow thousands of plants under one canopy hmm. at that point. So you were doing all this in Seattle at the time. I, yeah, I was working with a couple of guys who started a company called Washington Alternative Medicine. That was uh, Brandon Hamilton and Dax Caldwell. And they asked me to come on board and be part of it from a real estate angle because I had, I had worked in the real estate industry over there. And they were looking for a place to have a medical um, access point, a dispensary. So we worked on that a little bit. And then they decided instead of doing the dispensary – they had seen all these other dispensaries start to pop up around Seattle back then. That was like 2010-ish. Mm-hmm. They decided they wanted to, to manufacture the goods, grow, process oils, and then supply those to the dispensaries for the patients. Those guys had a falling out. I had a falling out because Brandon, he, he pissed us both off. <laughs> and uh, so he, he Brandon ended up taking uh, Washington Alternative Medicine, or WHAM as we know it now, WHAM oil. It still exists today, and they do fantastic products he took that dax went on to create a company called dama which became one of the preeminent companies in in the medical market Hmm. and um i just kind of hung back with with uh, aaron tatum as well aaron was doing a lot of uh, product packaging and and design and marketing for washington alternative medicine and then again for for dama but i would sit back and help him with the marketing side of it and all that and, and and then educate myself on what they were doing with the new leaf program working with kids working with parents of children's and their doctors uh, from from the cannabis oil angle and seeing how profoundly amazing the product was for the kids and for adults too but um, it was really interesting to see how how kids were able to use cbd oil yeah. for certain ailments so was it at that point um, after you sort of were able to learn more about the industry and the products that you decided like, Hey, I'm going to venture out on my own, come back to the Valley and start Greenfield or how, how long did that take? And like, what, what year did you get started? That, um, I, I could see that happening, uh, back in 2011 as, as things really got going with the, with the ballot and we knew it was going to pass, but it, it actually didn't pass by, by, by a great, margin but at least over in seattle we felt like okay this is this is gonna go it's gonna go now what what made you feel that way the the, the energy just the moment i'm on the street in seattle i mean seattle obviously it's the, the biggest part of the um of the state doesn't necessarily speak for this side of the state in a lot right. of ways but that's true just in talking with with uh, voters on both sides of the states at that point we had friends in the industry felt like we had the energy to make it happen yeah. Well, like you we did. Had, we, yeah, and we did. It was like 56% of the vote, which it was enough to do it. <laughs> That's enough, yeah. Yep. And um, I mean, it's just flourishing there now. I mean, you drive down the highway and there's just billboard after billboard for different dispensaries. Yeah. And yeah, it's insane. Exactly. Yeah. So in 2012, December 2012, it passed. And then um, I, I just kept my ear to the ground and wondering how I, I had a passion for it at that point. Mm-hmm. And wondering how I wanted to do it. Did I want to be part of a, a grow operation like I'd been working a little bit with, with the Dama guys and seeing how that was going? Or retail. And um, the owner of Dama, Dax, he convinced me that I didn't want to don't, – don't do a grow. Be a mm. retailer. Be a retailer. Be the access point. And um, he was right. What was the reasons behind that? Just the – the sort of hoops that you have to jump through to become yeah there's a lot of 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 hoops 
Well, there's a naturally legal hoops and all that with the sure. um, regulations and getting the license and all that, but it's also very technical. It's not like growing tomatoes. But no, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, even down to the wavelengths of light at what periods of growth you mm-hmm. want to give the plants and everything. Yeah. 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 Uh, real quick, y- you kept saying Dhamma. Did you give us that acronym? What does that stand for? Dhamma is an ancient Chinese word for marijuana. D A. Oh, yeah, okay. D A M A. So, yeah, Dhamma. Cool. Dhamma oil, Dhamma flower. They had a whole, they've, they've, they're still out there. They still got a, a full line of, of products. Okay. And they were one of the, one of the biggest um, in the medical market. And they hung on to their medical license. They didn't flip over to their recreational license as quickly as I think they wished they would have because a couple other companies took over the recreational market. Mm-hmm. And then when they jumped over, they were kind of the new guy in the block, even though they had been around yeah. for a long time. Well, he pushed you away from growing and told you just to do. Yeah. Just, yeah, it, it's it's a lot um, a better situation to be the access point for customers always coming to see you they know where to come here they're coming you're and you're you got the, you got all the shelf space so i'm not just dom out there fighting for shelf space like dax was mm-hmm. and with northwest cannabis solutions and fat panda all those guys are all fighting for shelf space all over the state mm. it is it, it was a, a much more stable venture to become a, a retailer and um control what goes on the shelves and create a, a proper access point for patients and recreational buyers so what what year did Greenfield actually get started then? It got started well, I, uh, conceptually 2012, right after it passed. Mm-hmm. I started thinking, what's this going to be? What, what am I going to name it? What am I going to call it? 2013 is when um, it got founded officially with the state. How'd you settle on that name? I wanted a name that wasn't in your face. I got to hand it to Canada for Life. It, that, that's a name that's in your face. If you're looking for cannabis, yeah, you know what they do. It's cannabis. <laughs> yeah, it's cannabis for life. I wanted something um, to sound classy. Sure. Yeah. And it does. Uh, it does. a little more subtle because we were dealing with, with a, a conservative little town mm-hmm. here in eastern Washington. And um, I thought it would be, be better, more friendly, a good, a good faith effort to have a, a name yeah. that was classy. Um, Cannabis for Life went right, right, right in their face with it, and, and, mm-hmm. and it worked out for them. They're, they've had a good successful. Story I just think that's, that's why I named it Greenfield. That's just a better strategy in general, especially like when you start talking about uh, the different strains of weed and products that you can buy. Like, you know, I think as somebody outside of the marijuana community, like if I went into a shop, I'd be more inclined to buy something that was called like, you know, something that had a more relaxed title, like you said, than like. Alaskan Thunderfuck or whatever, you know <laughs> right. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, Greenfield, obviously, it, it, it uh, brings the, the idea of a field of green to, right. to your head. And, you know, yeah. I imagine pastures and pastures full of cannabis growing. <laughs> so you guys opened in 2013, you said? Well, I founded in 2013. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you that's registered I, your business. Yep, and we got that already. And, that, and it wasn't legal to open until July 1st of 2014. Was that Any, statewide? That was statewide. That was the first day that they kicked it off. Uh, and that was if you had everything worked out with your local <clears throat> jurisdiction, you had licensing from from the Liquor and Cannabis Control Board, all and that. that was really easy for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was one of the easiest, excuse me, one no, of the easiest so things good. I've ever had to do in my life. <laughs> <laughs> now we didn't actually open until the first time we opened. We opened um, under the city's moratorium, and that was June twenty. I think it was June twenty seventh of two thousand fifteen. So we'd been so at, we, we yeah we'd seen just about a full year of 
of licensed and legal recreational cannabis stores that had the few that had been able to open in that first year. And we'd seen a lot of um, the rest of the state developing their their zoning language and all that that had to, that you had to get to before you could actually open a marijuana store. You had to add marijuana to the city's language and all of their zoning. Right? Oh, so got, right, yeah. You've got your bars, you've got your your alcohol restrictions, and all that. Well, we have now we have to have the same thing for marijuana, and that took a while for a lot of different jurisdictions. Clarston did it; they worked on it, they put it together, but then. Obviously, things fell apart with the city council's lack of leadership, in my opinion. But Yeah, and I don't honestly know a whole lot about that. I don't think I was living or I just moved back or something around the time that all this was, was happening. What was some of the major issues? How did that all play out? All played out. They, uh, the city council originally saw it as this is inevitable. It's coming. It's coming statewide. And so we were uh, – we, Aaron and I, and um, Aaron was involved at that point with Greenfield, Kelly Jackson and, and um, his wife, Julie from the Canada for life side, they were, we were all working towards getting uh, all of our, our ducks in a row documentation wise and all of our security systems, all that. We had a lot of money and everything riding on it, knowing that the city had just said, okay, cats out of the bag. We're not putting it back in. This is going to happen. And then all of a sudden, I think it was a December uh, or November, December, 2014, one of the city council members said, "Well, we're, we're we're seeing some of these moratoriums hold up. We're going to go ahead and we're going to go ahead and give this a shot." So then they they revoked the zoning based mm. on on the, the majority of the city council members at the time were very much against marijuana. They were just from that older era and they weren't they weren't very well educated about marijuana. Yeah. So that put um, uh, some roadblocks in place, but we kept going um, as far as the finish line of getting. The, the state license because the liquor board wasn't going to going to not give us the license based on a, a local jurisdiction's moratorium. Hmm. So, I mean, you mentioned that most of the city council was sort of digging their heels on in on this. Who who is sort of on your side and in, in aiding your fight on city council to get this going? At that time, Brian Colstad was the sole supporter of this. Okay, the one marijuana educated intelligent city council member on there about marijuana. I mean, they're, these, they're, they're people, they weren't bad people. They just weren't very educated. And Brian Colstad had the shoulder that himself for a couple of years trying to educate these people. And they were not just not having any of them. They, they grew up in an era where their, their preachers and their pastors and their teachers and their parents told them that this was bad. I mean, it was right. 80 years of bullshit from big corporations and, and government trying to keep illegal medicine that you can grow in your backyard. Yeah, and pharmacies especially don't want to see people growing medicine in their backyard. So that's what they had to deal with. You know, these folks just came from an area where they did not want to be told that they were were wrong, or that their pastors and preachers and preachers and teachers and parents were wrong about this. How so, how many people are on the city council at that at time, a time? At that time, what's well, the same amount as we have now? I think there's eight. I think there's one eight. per precinct. There's eight eight voting precincts in Clarkston. So did you get an opportunity to go before the city council on a number of occasions and say, like, yeah. here, this is what I'm going to do. This is what we're about. Yeah, we did constantly. I, I, I um, spoke in front of them, in front of the city council, the mayor, and typically a whole sea of supporters behind us. Right. And a few naysayers, too, in the crowd. But, yeah, that was that was a constant issue was going and having public communications with the city council, trying to educate them, trying to play with them. Come on, you guys, stop. This is it's going to happen. And we have people that want it. It passed in the city of Clarkston. Seven out of eight precincts voted for it. 
Mm-hmm. And the city council members are telling the voters, no, you were wrong. You don't know. You, this was, it's evil. <laughs> of course. The, 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 the streets yeah. of Clarkson are going to open up. You're all going to die. We're yeah. going to go fall right into hell. <laughs> and there, there was actually a lot of church influence behind the city council members that were voting against it. And, wow. And um, I think they were getting, they're probably going to their churches like people do and, and hearing from their congregations that support them. You're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. Keep on fighting it. We're behind you. And then, of course, inevitably, when the vote finally came in November of 2015, they found that they didn't have those votes, and they got right. landslided out of office. And wow. So in that process of going and, and speaking in front of the council and having all these supporters and some naysayers, could you see the tide sort of starting to turn for them? Could you see them starting to like realize, okay, maybe it's not so bad, it might be beneficial for our community to do this? No. Not at all? They just did no. not budge? No. No, there were... Uh, uh, other council committees that were that um, had some supporters on it, and they had they had talked to us during during uh, special meetings outside of the city council meetings, and they I could tell that they were kind of for they were interested in, in in educating themselves on what is medical marijuana, what is recreational marijuana, what does this all mean. But when it came down to the city council itself, no, they were not going to budge. Mm. They were never going to budge, and and the tide turned on them. Originally, it felt like. The local news media was was in support of the city council and against the idea of marijuana coming to town. But then after a few missteps by the city council and some really ridiculous things were, were said and it was becoming laughable, then the local media changed. It, they flipped on, on the, on the uh, city council, which really put a lot of, of pressure on the city council. They, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they found themselves in, alone in a room with no friends at, at <laughs> right. some point. You know? So were you guys the first business to, after all this finally passed... Were you the first business to sell uh, cannabis in Clarkston? I was no, no, technically, technically not. I was the first company pulled in the lottery mm. for a Soton County. Greenfield was the very first, and so Canada for Life and Greenfield were working head to head, and uh, we we had both at one point agreed, okay, we're going to open up regardless. Once we get our licenses, we're going to open up. It would have been we would have opened up on the on the same day, but. Um, one of my friends who was going to invest all money with me ended up getting cold feet and he backed out. Ooh. And uh, so that cost me about two weeks. So Kelly actually was the first one to open up under the moratorium. And he opened up, I think it was like June 4th or something like that. And he was open for 11 days. Can't remember exactly. But he was open for 11 days. And then Todd Richardson, the city attorney, shut him down. And then I, about a week and a half or two weeks later, I opened up. And we were open for four days before the city shut us down. Oh, okay, yeah, that just came from the city. They, yeah, through through uh, Judge Galena at the Superior Court, he put an injunction on the businesses at that point. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So at that point, we kind of felt like we were dead in the water. Canada for Life wasn't doing anything; they were just kind of sitting back and waiting for I don't know what. And then my attorney said, "We're going to go ahead and appeal this." We immediately appealed it to Division Three in Spokane, and then lo and behold, a few weeks later, at the city council's was like really thinking they had, they had this thing licked, man. They got they got to <laughs> shut down. They were feeling really happy. And all of a sudden, on the night of one of the city council meetings, I get a call from my attorney that the uh, appeals court in Division Three just told me to open up. They said, you didn't do anything wrong. As far mm-hmm. as we're concerned right now, we're going to consider the case. Go ahead and open up and do what you were doing. So, boom. I called Aaron. So we're on. Get over here immediately. We're going to get all the product out back on the shelf. We're gone. And... uh that was a, a fun moment for Brian Colstad because I called him and told him what was going on. He walked in. 
That'd be a the fun city day. council meeting, feeling pretty darn good. <laughs> everybody else, everybody else, the city council had just been debriefed by the by um, the city attorney, and they were all steaming, <laughs> steaming hot. That there was a pot shop opened up right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we 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 kind of we led, we did we led the charge on the legal front. Um, both the Jacksons and I were obviously were there for all the city council meetings and getting people really pumped up and in, in, at the meetings and and then when the tide turned with the Tribune. And they were exposing a lot of the ridiculousness of the city council. Then all the voters in the city of Clarkston pretty much said, we're done with this. We're yeah. done with the city council. If they're stifling this, what else are they stifling? They had, they had, they had those thoughts. So like, there was okay. a big turnover after all this in the city council. It wasn't just, okay, now your pot store is open and business as usual. No, it's, it's, it, they, they wanted people in there with a vision for a lot more than, than just marijuana, and that's what they got. Everybody that... That was up for election that year, including the mayor, got got kicked out. They were hmm. gone. They were gone, and then it just changed the tide. We had um, um, Skate Pierce, who's going to be one of your guests. That's right. Was elected that year. He took over for Bill Provost, who was adamantly against marijuana. And uh, Monica Beauchamp took a position. Monica um, Lawrence became the mayor. And um, yeah, there were a couple other folks that were just a pro. Let's get going. Let's let's have some progress here in Clarkston. Let's look at. Marijuana. Let's look at um, um, justice reform. Let's look at recycling programs. Let's look at a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. Let's so, kind of brighten the skies in Clarkston. Did you envision that it was going to be this difficult? I mean, I'm sure you knew it was going to be tough, but did you really think that it was going to be this big momentous thing where there's going to be all this turnover in city leadership and uh, that it was going to take that amount of time? I didn't. I didn't foresee that. Um, I didn't really know how it was going to play out. I knew that we had some folks that were against it. But at, at the time when the city went ahead and changed zoning in mid to late 2014, I thought they had come to their senses and this was this was going to be easy. And then it turned into a bag of cats, man. It was crazy. A lot of fighting and all that. And it, 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 it was... Uh, a lot of epic moments. Like I said, after we took it to Division Three um, Appeals Court, they opened us up. We were open for about a month while they were reviewing everything, and they finally said, "No, we can't. We don't have enough to go on. We can't tell the city it's wrong on this right now. You're going to have to take it up to the Supreme Court." So that at that point, we shut down for a couple of weeks while the case went to Olympia. So my attorney took it to Olympia, and and at that point, the city council's like, "Whew, dodged a bullet there. They're closed down. They're <laughs> shut down." It's looking good for us. And then two weeks later or whatever it was, I got a call from the attorney. This, the Supreme Court in, in Olympia just told you to open back up. <laughs> They're going to consider the case. They want you to go ahead and do what you're doing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then, of course, the city council was just steaming at that. And, <laughs> and we were open for another month during almost the Christmas, which was great. because that And it, it just added more momentum to us um, being um, a visible access point in Clarkston. Um, it put more fuel in the fire with the Tribune. The, the voters could see how ridiculous the city council was being about this and telling the voters that they were wrong. And um, after the city or after the, the Supreme Court was able to review it for a few weeks and we were open for a few weeks, they said, you know, that we don't really have enough to go on. This really isn't our job. We're kicking this back down to the appellate courts. Sorry, guys, but you got to shut down. But at that point, we had already been through the November elections and the mayor, Kathleen Warren, and, and all the guys that were up for re-election 
were landslided out of office. So we knew at that point we'd done our jobs. The city of Clarkson came and supported it. They did their job again. Or they, orig- they originally voted for this. They passed it in the city of Clarkson. And then they had to do it all over again by removing people that weren't doing their jobs in the eyes of the voters. Right. And so after that took place, um, we were shut down until late January. Mid-January, the new city council with Skate Pearson and everybody that was in support of this got together and said, okay, January 24th is the date that you're going to be able to open. We're going to lift the moratorium officially. It's it's good to go. Right after my birthday. (laughs) Was it? That's cool. So that that felt good. Um, There were some some heartbreaking moments during the whole thing, which I can get into, but um, that that morning of January 24th, I I, am... we were going to open. I think we were, we were planning to open at nine. I went out on the uh, sidewalk. It was a Sunday morning. It was sunny Sunday morning. Plugged in my amp and my Telecaster and played played uh, Back in Black as loud as I could on the <laughs> on, on Sixth Street. And it was just dead. Everybody was at church, and I'm out there. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was kind of an, an epic journey ending with a little bit of ACDC on the sidewalk. That <laughs> there you go. Yeah, one one of the most. Heart, heartbreaking moments during that that whole battle was after the um, the injunction had just taken place, and Judge Galena said, "Sorry, but uh, you got to shut down. I need you to go lock it up." And we'd already been open for enough time that some folks they needed the product, they wanted the product, they liked having the access point. I got to the shop, I'm locking everything up, and putting all the product back in the vault. In this, I look outside and here's this uh, taxi. And out stands this little old woman. She was in her 80s. She had a cane. She was having trouble getting out of the, out of the taxi. And she's walking up gingerly to the door and she sees closed by court order. And she just sat there, stared in awe, like, well, what am I going to do? This is what I need. You know, the elderly people are looking for, for an alternative to pharmaceuticals that are, they don't think are good for them and they can't afford them. And this poor old lady the city council just told her to stick it. Hmm. Yeah, you don't get it. Wow. And I just wanted to run out there and give her a joint or something and give her a hug and say, I'm so sorry. I, I mm-hmm. couldn't get the, the uh, doors unlocked in time to say that to her and she had to drive off. But that was one of the, the heartbreaking moments of this whole battle was that the city council just wasn't listening to anybody with any kind of a health condition or any kind of a recreational or medical need. They just didn't care. And especially after, like you said, people began to depend on it. Mm-hmm. And you're open long enough. So, I mean, in this process, over the years, there's sort of developed like a little community of dispensaries right around where Greenfield is. Is that beneficial to you? Does it create like a healthy competition? What What's that feeling of all these other dispensaries that have moved in, in and around? I mean, within a stone's throw, quite literally. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, it, that's turned out to be a nice setup. I originally wanted to have uh, my my store Greenfield be at um, the old the, the the Stone House on Highland, which used mm. to be Stonehouse Co- Stonehouse Coffee, and mm-hmm. of course the Stone House on Highland. <laughs> yeah, was that's kind of hilarious. Cheeky tongue and cheek <laughs> thing. Oh my wild. god! <laughs> but this you know, and, and and it was right across. It's right across the street from from Tri State Medical, where you know, the whole spirit of this thing is is the medical benefits of cannabis. It would be a perfect place for it, but the city didn't zone it for that. Hmm. And it, it turned out that the place I'm in now and the place Canada for Life can, turned out to be, it, it, it works well. If you want to have a successful gas station, put it next door to another Correct. successful gas station. Everyone's going to come there. 
Mm-hmm. So it worked out. If, if Canada for Life doesn't have something, they would come across the street to Greenfield. All you got to do is walk across the street. You don't have to drive across town. Mm-hmm. It's not like if, if Walmart doesn't have it, drive over to Lewis and then go to Kmart and see if they got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were right next to each other. Yeah, Makes it very easy. And then um, and when the second wave of licensing came through in 2017, I guess it was, or 16, it was 16, and um, it was June of 2017 that Sativa Sisters opened up. We all thought, damn, that's just going to eat into this small little market we have. Well, it didn't. It, it affected it for like a month, and then our sales went right back to where they were. Mm. Jennifer Life went right back to they were, and Sativa Sisters grew up. It was like a whole new market bloomed. Wow. When Sativa Sisters came in, and we were all pleasantly surprised. Not that we were not huh. overjoyed with the fact that, that revenues were holding steady, but there were that many more people educating themselves and coming out of the woodwork and realizing that this is a good thing that we have here. Right. And yeah. that's on both sides of the bridge. Yeah. Absolutely, because it, it's that's where the majority of the business So is there from. like a healthy relationship between all of you guys that like see yourselves as a community then in terms of your business and what you do? It is. Yeah, there's still it's still competitive. Uh, it, w- it was kind of down and dirty there uh, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of bad blood there that I, I, well, I guess I'm over it now. <laughs> but uh, I've got a really good f- a relationship with Sativa Sisters. When they came in, we uh, we became immediate friends. Yeah. And um, we all, all three stores support each other to, uh, on a, a great deal. When we realized that an underage person is trying to trying to enter the stores, we'll catch them. And we'll get we'll get a photograph of them. We'll send it to the other three stores. They make this sure this person doesn't make their way in. Or when the liquor board comes in, in to do a compliance check, if they come in to see us first, we're going to text the guys over the other two stores and say, "Hey, here comes your right. Here comes your underage cop. Be on the lookout." Because undercover nobody cop, wants to get yeah. busted. Yeah, they send in. They're yeah. not they're not undercover cops. Either. They're they're just employed by the liquor board <clears throat> enforcement. And they're, oh, they're underage. Oh, they're underage. So they <laughs> send someone in underage with a like a passable. It's a real ID. It's always vertical, which means they're oh, they could be minors. Gotcha. So that's mm-hmm. why we don't. Greenfield doesn't accept any kind of vertical IDs. I don't. I don't think Canada for Life accepts vertical IDs. I don't know about Sativa Sisters, but hmm. if you don't accept the vertical ID, you're never going to have an issue. Right. You're never going to have to wonder is this person really 21 because they they don't expire when you turn 21. You could be 23 with a vertical. Um, but yeah, the, the stores are pretty supportive. On that stuff, we try to keep we, we endeavor to keep different things on the shelf so that. And that's what I was going to ask: is is there a diversification of products that you guys each have within mm-hmm. your different storefronts? There is. There there's so many. Um, your screen just went black. There is that okay? Yeah, it's all good. Um, there's there's so many growers, producer processors in the state, even though they're dwindling because it's 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 tough out there. There's still enough out there that we can all have different things on our shelves. They're really good quality, mm. so customers can get good quality at all three shops. There's there's going to be some crossover in the smaller, the, the smaller designations of product for like edibles, and um, there's uh, in the concentrates like wax and vape, vape vape cartridges and things like that. There will be some crossover. There's not as much of those out there, but but for the most part on flour, you're going to be able to find different things at all three stop all three shops. Hmm. Yeah. You mentioned uh, that you had customers coming in from across the bridge, mm-hmm. and of course that's Lewiston, and of course. It's not legal in Lewiston. Correct. Have there ever been any issues on on uh, 
I don't know. Did, are the cops like trying to catch people or for the most part letting it go? Or how's that working? As far as I know, know, any Idaho person has ever purchased from me smokes it in Washington before they go back. Oh, no, oh. no one has ever driven to Lewiston with marijuana illegally. I'll tell you that. No. Oh, of course not. not. Yeah. I don't know anybody who's ever done that either. Yeah. Huh. Absolutely not. <laughs> but if they did. Yeah. The cops, no. The cops aren't waiting over there for him. No, There's nobody cool. sitting in the parking lots writing down license plates and calling ahead saying, hey, this person just pulled out of this parking yeah. lot. Yeah. Well, and, and the only reason I ask that is because there that whole sentiment with the city council members, right? It is, mm-hmm. it is like you said, a conservative area. So, I mean, even Washington cops, not necessarily even people who aren't supposed to and, and choose to take it over the line wherever they get it. Mm-hmm. Um even with Washington cops possibly trying to harass users, I don't know. They don't. They, they don't. Um, but really, the the Clarkson Police Department and the Washington State Patrol that are, that are here in the valley, pretty happy when things got ironed out. They weren't happy with the city council either. Cool. It's just a lot of paperwork for for something that doesn't make sense to do paperwork for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Frankly, the, the the Lewiston police officers that I've talked to feel the same way. If they were sitting on the other side of that bridge. Waiting for people to let's just say they're going to drive across the bridge with marijuana. People, yeah, just no, everybody knows they don't. No, they don't. You're not supposed to. It's not legal over there. They would run take. out of paper. I mean, they'd have to have potlatch provide them with more paper on a daily basis to, to, <laughs> to bust that 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 amount of people. All that, the people that, that don't allegedly <laughs> might might on a, in a once in a blue moon drive across the bridge with it. They forget it's uh-huh. in there. Yeah, Washington or the Idaho State Police. Different story. I've had a, a one run in with those guys, and it wasn't very fun. But yeah. <laughs> They were they they weren't very very forgiving about it, and frankly, the Lewiston police have to do their job. If 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 someone is driving around downtown Lewiston and they break a law, they get pulled over, and and you, the cops know what the logo of Greenfield looks like. If they see a bag with that owl on it, whether it's from the glass shop or the cigar shop or the pot shop, they're going to have to question it, and they're going to have to do their job, and you might end up with a citation. But I, as far as I've, I've Heard from from folks who have gotten citations, they're pretty lenient about it. They'll take the product, they'll give you a citation, but they're not going to ruin your life over the whole thing. Idaho State Police probably will. Cool. Um, So, you know, we talked about like a diversification of products. And could you talk about like what you sell at Greenfield and how you've sort of expanded the brand with the auxiliary shops that you've since created since creating the original yeah, brick and mortar storefront. You're asking what what I carry at Greenfield. Yeah, in terms of in terms of just products in the cannabis arena, and then also you said you've got your glass stuff, and then the cigar shop yeah. as well. So the 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 bulk of what you're going to find in you know, the biggest the biggest market you're going to find in Greenfield or Canada for Life or, or Sativa Sisters is going to be the flower, the buds. Mm-hmm. That's the 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 biggest market in there is the flower, and that includes joints as well, pre rolled joints that that are quite popular. And then after that, uh, the next largest segment is going to be your your concentrates, your dabs, your waxes, your shatters. That's just concentrated THC that customers will use. Um, they'll vaporize it and inhale it, and um, it's a just it's a lot more THC going into your into your system than just smoking the flower, which some people prefer, and they have a tolerance for. It. And then the next segment. I would separate out from dabs. I would separate out and call it vape carts. They're two separate animals, even though it's a very similar product. It's a different delivery system. And that's a high high concentration of THC and CBD product that's um, in a vaporizable, um, disposable unit. And that's very popular. Beyond that, uh, you get into edibles, which is going to be your next 
largest segment, and that's really grown. Early on, that wasn't the, the, a, a very popular thing for everybody because eating a marijuana product is is uh, not something that's easy to get used to. It's not something that's easy to regulate. You really have to find where it where it affects you as a person because everybody's going to be right. different, different and, with that. And it metabolizes different in the body. It's it's not at all like smoking it. Nope. You create different chemicals in your system, and it's it's very different. Yeah, yeah. People people even still when they when they don't know, um, they'll ask how how this is a ten milligram edible, which is a, a legal single serving in the state of Washington. Right, you can get higher in, in like California and stuff. Yeah, they'll yeah. load it in there, but that's mm-hmm. kind of that. It's not really a necessarily a safe thing to do, especially for new users. Yeah, it can be, it can be, um, it, it'll ruin your day. It'll ruin, it'll ruin a couple of days. <laughs> it will definitely. <laughs> it's not going to kill you. Nope. But you're going to be uncomfortably high for hours if you do 100 milligrams, and you don't have a a, a resistance for that. You you could be in a, a very high state of mind for about. 13 to 20 hours. I've seen it happen. In fact, mm-hmm. it's happened to me. But people ask, how, how does this? How does a 10 milligram edible compare to if I'm smoking a joint? Is it like smoking one full joint? Like it's it's really not the same at all. Your body processes are completely different. Um, the, the fastest way to get marijuana in your system is to inhale it, smoke it or vape it. The second fastest is a suppository, which some people laugh at that, but it actually... It's the most efficient way to get it in your system. It takes about fifteen minutes to take to take effect, but your colon grabs onto every bit of that cannabinoid substance and THC and all the properties of it, and your body uses it. The interesting thing about it is you never get high as when you use it as a suppository. So you can take a thousand milligrams and up she goes. If you ate a thousand milligrams, you would be in a world of hurt. As a suppository, you never get high. Your body your body feels like it's in a in a hot tub. You can no dexterity loss, no balance, no nothing. Hmm. Kind of an interesting product. So then the third fastest way is sublingually using tincture, typically, or or other edibles, but let it dissolve under your tongue. And that could take about oh, 30 minutes to take effect, and then the, the longest wait time is usually an edible because it has to break down and hit, get to your liver before it disperses in your body and affects your, your, the rest of your system. So. Hmm. Yes, people keep that keep those rules in mind. <laughs> yeah, well, so what advice would you have for someone that's coming in, they've never smoked before, they're interested in your product, maybe I guess it would depend if they had a uh I don't know what you call it, like a if um, if they were looking to do it recreationally or medically, but what's kind of something you would suggest for new users coming into your store? It depends on what they want to do. The the number one rule when it comes to marijuana or really anything that's going to affect your body psychotropically or, or otherwise is regulating your intake is the key. Go slow. If you got, if you're going to try a joint, if a person wants to, to load a bowl and smoke some weed or, or hit a joint, Regulate your intake. Don't take a huge hit like you just saw your buddy do because your buddy might have a, a tolerance for it. Yeah, maybe only just take a really small amount, wait some time, yeah. see how it hits you type That's of deal. It. Take a baby hit. Don't hold it in. Don't hold your breath. I maintain that people get higher because they hold their breath for too long mm. before exhaling all that smoke out. But really, if you just take a baby hit, don't hold it in. Just let it out. It's going to affect you. It's going to grab on your, your cannabinoid receptors. And wait five minutes. Mm. You know, there there is... Strains out, there are strains out there that will take 20 minutes before they really hit you. And people make a mistake of hitting it. They think, oh, my gosh, my tolerance is through the roof. i got to hit this a few more times. And then 20 minutes later, they're off on a rocket, and they 
completely messed themselves <laughs> up. <laughs> and so does that have anything to do with how marijuana itself has changed throughout the years? Yeah, that's like, a good question. How has it changed from like my parents maybe allegedly <laughs> smoking in the 70s to going in and buying yeah. uh, 28% THC? It's hard to say. There, that, that's a, a very good question. It's a really hard one to answer. 23%. But, yeah, 23%. <laughs> maybe. Um, so here's the, the thing, but you never really know how strong anything was back in the sixties and seventies. So people still claim there was this, you know, epic stuff out there where there was sense a million or, or Panama red or whatever, whatever, what have you that would just blow your mind that, that Colombian gold back then, you you couldn't be able to smoke that now. It's so good. <laughs> it's gone, but whatever. Um, I've been smoking for 70 years and I'm 30 years old. That's I, I get that one a lot. You know, I've been smoking my whole life. There's the people that have these stories about how things were stronger or whatever back then. Who knows? But now that we are in this modern era, we've got better cultivating, better practices, better growing methodologies. More and, stable uh, conditions. More, yeah, more stable growth conditions than and, and on, a, on a, a much vaster um, array, a, a sizable grow. And um, testing procedures, everything's got to get tested. Who knows if that's really 23% THC? Yeah. So what happens when we, in this market, what will happen is the grower will grab the top of a cola that's really the, the, the most exposed to the light where it's going to have the richest amount of THC because they want to have the best number on there. Right. If you're going to sell your product, I'm going to be looking at that menu saying, okay, what's the highest THC and the best flavors that I, that I, that I know are going to work for my customers? And so they'll take that top cola, send it into the test lab. It'll get that test result back, and they'll apply that number, that 23%, to the entire plant. When you know halfway down, it's probably 15% THC. Hmm. And sometimes they'll have a lab test on something that looks gnarly, and they'll come back, and it'll be like 17%. And, so, and no one will want to buy it. No, I need, I need higher. I, my tolerance is way up. i got to have something over 20. No. Hmm. But then they'll... You know, people that'll buy that seventeen percent, and it'll probably have a little more THC in it, just because the the way plants work. And they'll come in and say, "Man, that seventeen percent just blew my mind when that twenty six percent didn't really do anything to me." And that's just the relative state of the market when it comes to testing. It's not real. Yeah. So what you? Either. Yeah. So maybe you shouldn't go in looking for a certain percentage. You should go in looking for other characteristics. You should go in looking for terpenes, terpene profiles. When people come in and want to get high, they just want to get high. Sure, THC will do that for you. But when you come in and you say, okay, I want to have that feeling of the marijuana, but I also want to be able to go and get my yard work done or clean my house or mm-hmm. I really want to relax or I have a really sore back and I can't sleep. I've got restless leg syndrome. What, do I, what, what can I do? Terpene profiles is what you're looking for. Terpenes are the, the element of the plant that – Give it its flavor and its aroma, and it's also what affects your body into being more restful or more upbeat and social. So you're looking for, um, if you want to be social and active, look for, for terpene profiles that are more lemony or citrus notes. Those are going to be more uplifting. So you got got um, things like super silver haze. And anything with a haze behind it is typically going to be more uplifting. It's going to denote a lot of those terpenes that are, that are energy um, spiking, I guess you want to say. And then if you if you want to get laid back, you want to go into the more purple strains with um, terpenes like myrcene, which is also prevalent in mangoes. And hops. And, and, yep, and hops, the cousin of cannabis. And uh, those properties, if you're shopping properly for those properties, 
then you're going to get a product that's going to be less of a mystery. It's going to work for you the way that you, that you want it to work for you. Well, and I imagine another good thing to do is probably lean on an educated staff as a resource. So is there sort of a process that you go through for ensuring that you have like educated bud tenders that are going to recommend good products for what the customer is looking for? We do. And um, there's uh, several educational opportunities in, in the state, one of them is through the Department of Health's Medical Marijuana Program, and, and a few of our, our of our folks are certified. Mm. And then there's another company called Fairwinds, who was also um, one of the first producer processors in the state over in Vancouver to be recognized by the Department of Health as um, kind of a, being a, a partner in the health industry for this stuff. And they've got a Fairwinds certified program now that all of our bud tenders have gone through educating all of our bud tenders essentially on a lot of what you're going to get from the Department of Health through the medical marijuana program. So our bud tenders are are top-notch educated uh, retailers from that angle, and they also are all very um, uh, good about trying the product. We get samples in, and we we send out samples with them on the weekends every Friday. Are they good at trying the product? (laughs) They're pretty good. I think uh, I'm I'm one of the only employers in the Valley that will fire you if you you don't test positive for marijuana. Uh, you, you can't fake it. It's hard to fake it. I mean, I, yeah. I don't. I don't smoke as much or eat as much as, as my bud tenders do, but I do. I do it enough to where I know what I'm talking about and how I can relay that to my customers. Well, no, but that is very important because if they don't know the product, how are they supposed to sell the product? Right. Yes, exactly. So and, you don't necessarily have to have that certification in order to sell cannabis products. No. So that would be something to look for, I guess, as a consumer to go in and say, hey, are you guys certified for this? Or is, is that something that you guys sort of show on the wall, like, hey, we're certified? Our butt tenders have pins that say Fairwinds okay. certified. Not all customers know what that, what that means, but what really is important is that our butt tenders, even if they're not Fairwinds certified, that they know what THC is, they know what CBD is, they know what the two do. Um, they know the differences between medical marijuana and recreational marijuana, at least in terms of how I put it. Mm-hmm. And um, they know what, a terp- what terpenes are and how, and they know how to educate customers on how to buy and how to shop. And that's where, that's what, that's what sets our bud tenders apart from other. And I think the bud tenders at the other shops are pretty good too, but yeah, that's what, that's what makes a good team is, is that kind of education and taking advantage of, of, of the educational opportunities that are out there in the state of Washington right now. And you mentioned earlier, um, you talked about vape products. Do you have sort of a stance or a feeling about vaping in general, given the controversy recently over the health risks? Um, what, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, and and kind of what's the difference between like a nicotine vape and uh, yeah. CBD or THC vape? Mm-hmm. Um, well, the products, of course, are, are completely different between nicotine and, and, and marijuana. When you're putting something into your lungs in general – it's not necessarily a good thing. Whether well, you're smoking no. right. weed or vaping it, I'm going to tell you right now: if you're if you're if you're putting things into your lungs besides oxygen, <laughs> come on, so, something <laughs> might happen. You never know. I'm not saying that 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 vaping and smoking marijuana is bad for you. Um, people don't do it all day, every day. You, it, it, it's it's a delivery method for getting it into your body. But and it's, people aren't just sitting there like smoking cigarettes and chain smoking all day. And that's that's just a killer. Mm-hmm. You know, nicotine addiction is, is is a very bad thing. Um, but where do I stand on the vape thing? I think that, that, that we need a lot more research into how the cartridges are made. People were, were, were thinking that, okay, these things are made of metal. Maybe there's some residual metal, metal that, that's getting into people's lungs. And that frankly can happen. Um, I see a lot of the, 
nicotine, the kids, the kids and adults that are doing nicotine vape, they're just they're choking that stuff out, man. They're mm-hmm. pluming it, and they're having plume contests. Oh yeah, you don't you cannabis don't users don't do that. Like that. Yeah. Cannabis users don't do that. You're taking small hits at a time, just enough to get you where you need to be. And then you're going to put it down. You might hit it before you go to bed, just to, to remove all of the anxiety from your from your evening or calm down your body so you can sleep. Nicotine folks are hitting this stuff all the time and heavy heavily. So if you the more you do it, the more of a risk you're going to have that it's going to screw up your lungs. That's what that's how I feel about that, and we definitely do need a lot more research on it. But I don't think the cannabis products, if they're done in the state of Washington and they're tested and it's done properly, you can trust that it's going to be a quality product. It's not going to be as harmful than if you're going to buy it off the black market. Kind of on that same vein, you were talking about joints, and you have pre-roll joints that are flavored. Do you have any idea what kind of flavorants they're using and what what that does taking it into your lungs? Yeah, a lot of those are, are they're just using natural flavors. So yeah. even if it's like an artificial flavor that you're going to find in a, in a supermarket product, they might be using something like that. I don't know exactly what um, they're putting in there, but if they're if they're using if you're, if you're finding something like a grape joint or a or a, a strawberry joint, a lot of times they're going to dehydrate that product. They're going to dehydrate the actual fruit. It's just fruit oh, extract. Yeah, and they're going to load that into the product, so you're getting that full on bouquet of strawberry along with the flavor. Along with the uh, the flavors of the marijuana, which is it can be pretty pleasant. And a lot of times, those things are very very potent. So you got to be careful with regulating your intake, as I said before. <laughs> hey everyone, just wanted to take a quick break to tell you about our new Patreon account. That's right, OSP fans, you can now directly help us fund this show and get access to exclusive content. For more information and to learn how you can support the show, head to patreon.com slash oldspiralpodcast. Now back to the show. So you were, especially at the beginning, really pushing the medical benefits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that's kind of, I think, where this all started for you was was getting marijuana available for medicinal use. Mm-hmm. Can you give us kind of the rundown on some of the, I know there's a, a lot, but can you give us a rundown of the beneficial uses of marijuana medicinally? Uh, okay. Kind of versus recreationally? I, I got to be very careful about this because as I'm on here representing oh, you're, myself. You're not a doctor. Not a doctor. I can't make curative claims. Sure. The, the um, Department of Health and the Liquor Board won't allow me to. Can I put it this way? What out there on the internet has been claimed? Mm-hmm. What do other people Since claim? Since I'm not in my store, I might be able to get away with saying some of these things. But <laughs> literally, If you want to skip it, that's fine. No, we don't I, have to. I, I think it's, it's good to educate people with it. But let me tell you what I've seen on... Um, a doctor's authorization through the Department of Health. Okay. Yeah, because I'm sure right. there's a distinction legally between medical grade and recreational grade, right? Mm. No. Really? No. I'll touch on that in, in a second. But there's, yeah, the, things like, uh, well, cancer is one of them. This is one that, that doctors will recommend it for. Um, and people. what about cancer? Just Is that just like aiding or like totally fighting cancer? Reading the effects. Um, I'm going to say that it's it's treating symptoms. Treating symptoms. Again, what, I can't make cure. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just saying. What the, what does the doctor say? That's going to say. He's going to say. You know what? This is. You have access to this, and I'm not going to to um, stand in front of you in front of your choice to try it. Let's say if you if you have cancer or any other kind of of uh, this is what the doctor's saying or any other kind of ailment that you would like to that that's on this list that I can recommend this for. If you want to try it, it's up to you. 
Okay. Yeah, and we're not suggesting anybody do anything. Mm-hmm. We're always listen to your doctor, talk to your doctor about mm-hmm. what your right. health and what you're yeah. going to do. Yeah, so PTSD, cancer, um, there's there's uh, like nine or ten different ones that they can check off that list. Uh, one is, the most popular one is intractable pain, which covers a lot of areas of the body. Mm-hmm. Muscular, skeletal, you know, skeletal um, just about anything, any kind of pain. You know, yeah, and know. I've seen people use it to help aid them in eating or... Help them fight seizures. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good for appetite. We have customers come in that, that have cancer, and these people through treatments can lose their appetite, and they'll start to get unhealthy, and their, their bodies need that need nutrients. They'll come in, they'll get the, a, a product that's going to, to amplify their appetite, and they feel much better because they can go home and, and have some food and feel good about it. Right. You know, so that's that's not a curative claim. That's just what I know people do. Yeah, that's cool. all we're interested in. Now on the uh, on the on the question about what's medical, what's what's recreational, um, they're literally, in my opinion, all the same. The quality of the flower is as good for a recreational buyer as it is for a medical buyer. Recreational buyers have access to oil that is pretty high in THC and CBD, just like the, the folks that are are medically certified. Um, the one difference in product is on the edible side where a recreational buyer can only have an up to a 10 milligram single serving unit of edible. Whereas a recreate or a medical buyer, I think we can go up to 50. I think that 50 milligrams per single item is the maximum that the state of Idaho or the state of Washington, excuse me, will allow for uh, on the medical side. And medical patients can buy three times as much product per day as a recreational buyer. So one ounce for a recreational buyer, three ounces for a medical buyer. Same thing for your concentrates and your edibles and liquid edibles and solid edibles. The difference in my outside, okay, so the, the, there's a taxability difference. They also don't have to pay state tax, sales tax. They have to pay the excise tax as a medical patient, but not the sales tax. I look at, at recreational marijuana and medical marijuana as proactive health care, for recreational buyers and reactive healthcare for medical buyers. Mm. The product is doing good things for a recreational buyer. Um, your body has a natural endocannabinoid system that accepts all of the THC, all of the CBD cannabinoids, and makes use for it in your body for healthy things. So if you're a recreational buyer, you're, you're buying it for a, a proactive reason. You're doing it to keep yourself healthy as part of a, a kind of a daily diet. Look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Medical buyers have an, an have an ailment that they're trying to they're trying to um, fix. Like they've already got something wrong with them. This is a reactive product over here. So those are the two differences as far as, as how I like to define them for people that want that, that think that recreational marijuana is just for guys to get high, go on the river and throw frisbees and <laughs> Which it is for that. Dangerous. Well it is, but, but, but yeah. I maintain there's not a lot that we do. In our lives, recreationally, that's not for our health. Whether it's mind, right. body, spirit, physical, yeah, whatever, mental. Absolutely. So if it's if it's marijuana, yeah, it's gonna have it's gonna have a nice health benefit to your soul or to your body or to whatever. Mm-hmm. Again, not a not a curative claim. Those are just how I like to designate it and educate people about. This is a recreational buyer versus this is a medical buyer. Sure. So um, just kind of moving back to like the sale and the process of cannabis. Uh, do you see a differentiation between like 
pre-legalization, post-legalization in terms of convenience and cost, and what is that to you? Like, uh, is yeah. it, Was it more expensive to buy weed when it was illegal? Is it cheaper now? It's like there's a convenience of it being available within business hours all the time. You don't have to meet up with somebody. Mm-hmm. But do you have any idea of like street prices versus retail mm-hmm. prices? I don't know what street prices are now, but or what they used to be. What they, yeah, like, what how did you come up with your price point? Um, it's it's it has just evolved to where to where it is right now. Early on, when we first started out, there was there was a supply and demand issue. The first marijuana I purchased was over in Prosser at Altitude, and they had um, two ounce boxes—not two ounce. I'm sorry, two gram boxes of of, of marijuana. Two days prior to me being there, they had one gram boxes of marijuana, and it was from um, Monkey Grass. It was, the, was the name of it. They sold out of them so fast, it was crazy, and they were charging $40 a gram. Oh, wow. $40 a gram. And I went in, and we, and we were able to buy it in two gram packs because they were trying to slow people selling down there or buying down. And I bought a two gram box for 70 bucks, I think it was. Hmm. So two grams of marijuana for 70 bucks. And what does that run now? A two gram box, yeah, ten to twelve dollars. <laughs> big difference. <laughs> it, could, it could be, it and could that's be a lot of supply and demand because you've gotten a whole lot more mm-hmm. growers and facilities opening them up. So did that kind it of? It did. Yeah that that was that was simply because there just wasn't very much product out there, and it took a long time to get it packaged up in, into the retailer. Now it's readily accessible. Um, a gram can go from anywhere from five dollars up to. And there, there may be some for ten or twelve dollars still that are high quality, but that's you're not going to find anything beyond that unless it's like a moon rock with a bunch of oil in it and stuff like that. But yeah, as far as street prices, um, I would say they're pretty close now to what the what they were before legalization. Hmm. What guys were going to get in their basement, but that's you can't put a you can't put a, an exact needle on that. No, I mean everyone was getting different street prices anyway. I mean, yeah. it all depended. And, and you know, different quality on. and stuff. And I think that that's probably the benefit to the consumer is a more consistent product each time you go in. And not only that, but I think that the legalization of marijuana is probably really beneficial to the environment as well because you look at some of the issues that they're having in uh, California's public lands with these cartels growing weed out in these in these forests that just totally destroy streams. Oh, and using pesticides. They use pesticides, all, chemicals of all kinds. So I'm sure now it's much more and, healthy. And yeah. and you take away the risk of of extreme danger. I mean, you're not dealing with crime syndicates anymore. You're dealing with your neighbor. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with somebody that's part of your community. Yeah. It is much safer all the way around from the grow, from the, from the grow end of it all the way uh, down the chain to the safe access point. Absolutely. Yeah, products being tested, you have to have um, certain grow practices in place that are accepted by the state. You can't use uh, – most of the pesticides that are out there, you can't use. There are a few water-based pesticides that the state will allow people to use, and that's all you get. And a lot of folks um, have such good, clean grows, they don't even have to use those. They can, they right. can use bugs. They can spray it with, with uh, tea and caffeine generally mm-hmm. keeps bugs away. Um, there are a lot of different ways that, that – our growers are growing the marijuana safely and clean. Well, and they're probably indoor facilities now, right? A lot of them are indoor. A lot of there's still a lot of really good outdoor ones. Mm. There are even again. I've uh, friends from Clarkston who live in California. and They have outdoor grows down there, and they're winning awards all over California with really, really good quality um, grow practices and harvesting practices and cultivation practice. The whole nine yards. You can do really good stuff outdoors. You just have to control it. 
a little differently than than obviously than an indoor facility. Is uh, is a lot of your product uh, semi locally sourced? Like, how far do you have to go? We've had product is, is uh, in there as closely as as Hell's Canyon cannabis oh, oh, out oh, here in the right. port in the port of Clarkston. Yeah, so. Um, Brother-in-law the, works for them. Is that right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. They. They. Um, Hi, Dale. Hey, Dale. <laughs> what's up, buddy? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Leonard, what's up, man? We've had some stuff in there from those guys in the past, and it's kind of one of those things that comes and goes. Some products will have a, some shelf space for a little bit; they'll go away, and then they'll come back. You never know. Right now, I, um, Hell's Canyon is over at, at Canada for Life. They've told us they just don't have a whole lot of product to, to push out there, and and just to keep it. Keep it revolving. I think it makes more sense to have them at one access point rather than two. You know, we'd all, we'd all like to celebrate the local grower here in, in Clarkston, but um, if it's not going to move properly, then it's, it's best to to market it properly, merchandise it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, other other than here, we get stuff from Pullman. We get Burnwell and a few others from up in the Pullman area, mm-hmm. and then uh, obviously some stuff, a lot of stuff from Spokane, including M- MJ Productions. Great grower, Fat Panda. We just brought in some Fat Panda. They're a great grower. Quite a, quite a few different different growers from up in there. And then obviously we get a lot of stuff from um, Seattle, Vancouver, Bellingham, all the way up and down that I five corridor. And you can't you can't get it from anywhere but Washington, right? Like Correct. you can't go get Oregon product no. and bring so you're it to talking your store. Vancouver, Washington, not Vancouver, BC. Vancouver, <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants that vaunted BC bud, but no, we get our stuff from <laughs> from Vancouver, Washington. It has to it has to stay within the states, the state of Washington's regulated um, traceability system. So it can't come from outside the state of, of, of Washington and expect to have it grown to the standards of Washington and tested to the standards of, of Washington. Yeah, right. That's a bummer because my cousin owns Uplifted Farms in Oregon. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but I yeah, but it's in Oregon, so I, I got to go visit him. Where's he at? Uh, I don't know if he's still in the same place. I think it was near Bend Okay, last time I heard. Yeah, there's a, a lot of growers down there with with a lot of product. There but he's been doing there. it since they were medical, like yeah. the the mid like the 2010 ish. Sure, or beyond, or beyond. Yeah, probably yeah, a lot earlier than that. Um, one of my my friend's brother lives in in uh, Eugene. He's been doing it since the late 90s down in Eugene. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's been going on for a long, 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 long. It's long, fun long, to long, talk long to him because he just considers himself a farmer. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was outside. I'm not. I'm not totally sure how his process has evolved over the years, but he just considers himself a farmer. He's got to look into the same things a farmer does and cycles and all watering and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, absolutely right. And like yeah. you say, it's not like growing tomatoes. It's very technical, and that's yeah. It's 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 very. It's a good thing I think that that we're looking at letting people grow. Just in general, now like they're going to change a lot of it, make it legal for people to grow. But people are going to find that it's not easy to grow, and they're going to they're going to screw it up, and they're going to waste their money, and they're going to either go to somebody who can grow it, or or for like for a medical purpose, or they're just going to keep coming to a good access point with product that you can just buy, and that's the safest way to do it. Mm-hmm. So, in talking with friends and family about doing this episode. A lot of them were asking me to ask you, like, well, when's Idaho going to legalize, which I just don't foresee happening until it's federally legal. Do you foreshadow that happening, like, within our lifetime? Do you think that's going to happen anytime soon? Yeah. Well, I, I hope that – I hope I see it in my lifetime. I don't, don't want to die very soon. So. <laughs> but I'm uh, pretty sure Idaho is going to legalize it. And there's going to be a push for it. Uh, the first step is getting enough signatures to get it onto a ballot, and that's that could be tough. That's what we did. It's a grass that whole grassroots, no pun on words, effort to to get signatures, enough signatures to get it on a ballot, and then 
stomp stomp for it, you know, stomp for it, uh, and and get people to to support it and get people educated. There's a movement over there right now, according to yesterday's article in the Tribune, down at the library, about educate Idaho on marijuana, and try to get to a point where people are educated enough to say, okay, yes, let's sign this this uh, signature list here. Let's get our names on here. Let's support it. Let's get it on the ballot. Let's see where the vote goes. Once it's voted on, if it passes, you're talking a long time before we get local jurisdictions to get on board with zoning. And, so they're going to run into the same issues that you did when you were yeah. trying to open up your shop. Well, yeah, exactly. kind of on that same vein. But it would be slower than Washington. Yeah, it would oh, be yeah. Yeah. For sure. I mean, and it's just like you said, in Seattle area, their representation is sort of there, but it doesn't really speak for the rest of the state, which is the case for us in Idaho, where Boise has a different population with different values than the rest of the state, which mm-hmm. is very conservative. Yeah. Well, w- one thing that might help that whole process is seeing the benefits of the Washington, Oregon, but especially even in Clarkston. Uh, what are some of the benefits to the community? Do you feel that legalizing marijuana has had not just that little old lady that was using it uh, mm-hmm. to to get through, uh, but also in terms of taxes? Mm-hmm. How have the taxes benefited the whole system? I mean, well, that, that's a hard one. We we pay a lot of taxes. Monthly, we pay a lot of taxes. It blow your it'd blow your mind. But that what what's even more mind blowing is that we don't see more of it come back to our community, and that's that's kind of a bummer. Hmm. Washington could do a lot more at the local levels of bringing some of this money back, and no one really knows where it's going or how it's being used in Olympia. That's kind of horrifying. But it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was supposed to go to uh, marijuana um, taxes. Was supposed to go to law enforcement, drug or education, and drug rehab early on. That's and what I lot, heard. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of things, a lot of things change. Legislators can just change things if they want to. Now mm-hmm. I think a lot of it just gets funneled right into the general fund, and who knows where it goes from there. I know Clarkson would like to get a lot more of it than than they are getting, and they should. That might change. You never know. But taxes is, is a good thing for any community. Uh, educational wise, um, health wise, for Idaho. Um, Sure, those are all great. Those are all fantastic things. I think that the biggest thing over there is decriminalization. Once it's voted on, and if it's approved, even though we don't have everything built yet for a retail or a grow infrastructure, it's legal. Like in December 2012, it was legal in Washington. We didn't have access to it, but if we had it on our person, it was legal. You can't get messed with. So all the people, forever as long as it's going to take to get Lewis in the pot shop, if it's legal in Idaho, they can come by it over here, and they're not going to get. Incar- then they can drive it over there. Then they can drive. Oh, over finally, because no finally. one's been doing that. Yeah, <laughs> that, I, I would. I think it would be a big thing for the Tribune to 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 like photograph and interview the first person to ever do it in the future when it actually does happen. Someone's going to drive over that bridge with marijuana. Yeah, they'll yeah. hold and it out. Through well, the they should do. A, they'll be a pioneer. <laughs> they should make a a, a hemp based Tribune that day. That would be cool. That With hemp paper, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be a, here's your ten dollar newspaper. Oh man! Well, this is awesome. so. Uh, you were mentioned THC and CBD earlier, and I'm wondering if there's some people listening that don't really know the difference. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot more coming up. There's mm-hmm. been a lot more CBD products. It's become more mainstream. Yeah. But kind of get what what is the breakdown between THC and CBD? Kind of what it does. Again, no curative statements, but just kind of what's the idea between the two? Okay. So, 
a lot of folks hear the word CBD over the last few years and they think, okay, CBD, that means medical marijuana. Whereas THC, that means recreational marijuana. When in reality, THC and CBD are both elements of the plant. Tetrahydrocannabinol is, is an element of, of cannabis that, that will cause a psychotropic effect. It'll get you high. Mm-hmm. CBD does not get you high. CBD stands for cannabidiol. It is the cousin of THC. It's a cannabinoid that is an anti-inflammatory. It can, it can uh, have stress relief characteristics to it. Um, those are symptom-treating claims, not curative claims. It, CBD, um, it, it's not necessarily a painkiller. A lot of folks think it's a painkiller. Not really a painkiller. THC is actually more of a pain, not killer, but a pain masker than CBD is. Um, but together... They do an awful lot of good things for the human body. And like I said before, the human body has an endocannabinoid system that was discovered by a genius physician in Israel back in, I think, in the 50s, 60s, something like that. Your body has receptors that grab onto tetrahydrocannabinol. It's, those are called your CB1 receptors. Your, can, your um, CB1 receptors grab onto that THC, make use of, use of it in the human body. Your CB2 receptors grab onto cannabidiol, pull it straight in, and use it for your body. It's best to have them both in the product at the same time, some ratio, because your body's going to use it more efficiently if you have CBD and THC in your body at the same time. A lot of the stuff that we see in this huge glut in the market of CBD products coming in, even in the Idaho, since it's not federally illegal because it's not psychotropic you can get a lot of cbd products over there just you're just you can just drink it eat it pump cbd straight in your body sure it'll have some some good effects for you but again it's not going to be as good for the human body as if you had thc in there to balance it all out and make hmm. make good use of it the unfortunate part is people just some people can't afford to do it because yeah. of their jobs because it's illegal because of the thc issue so is there like if you live in Idaho and you want to use a CBD product for whatever reason, is there a certain brand that you could recommend? Because I feel like if I look at CBD stuff in Idaho and I don't have an educated bud tender or retailer to tell me what's what, I feel like it's just kind of snake oil, like those energy pills that you buy at a gas station that's, or that's, something That's like a hard that. one, yeah, because I, I don't know. It's not regulated. Right. As far as, It's not regulated in the system that I know. It's not tested for by a, a Washington State lab. It's not coming out of the 502 network from a, a, a grower that's credible. So I don't, I can't really say. Here's a good brand for you to. Here's a, a brand that, that I know works because I don't. Um, I do carry some straight CBD products, a small amount, at my glass shop at Greenfield Glass and Goods, and we we think that that's a pretty good quality product. There's only one in there. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but we only have one. We also have it for, for pets. And that's what I was just going to ask you is I've seen that as this trend that's coming up where everybody's feeding their dogs CBD. I was going to ask if you offer that. Could you talk about like what that helps your pet achieve by taking a CBD product? Yeah, would you yeah. feed a dog THC? I mean, does it – People have. People have. I mean, there, there's products out there that you – know, in, in, from out of the 502 network, the, the, the recreational marijuana network here in, in Washington, we're not allowed to sell products for animals mm. or market them. But I know there, I have a tincture in my store. It's bacon flavored, <laughs> oddly enough. <laughs> I'm sure dogs like it. It's called companion tincture. Mm. It's weird that we call our, our furry friends our companions. Sure. But people, I think, have taken that product and actually 
giving it to their dogs. And there is THC, small amount. Well, I wonder, small just kind of, because our, our, I don't know, I imagine a dog's metabolism and a human's metabolism is different. Mm-hmm. I just wonder how it, what's known about how it affects them. It's uh, calming, very calming. So, and, and it helps their joints. Like glucosamine and a, to, a, to a, a different degree helps elderly animals in their joints. Hmm. CBD, heavy-duty anti-inflammatory. So if you have an older dog that's really stove up and having a tough time then to the point where you, you think you might have to go put your best friend down, try it. Hmm, give sure. them some CBD, give them some CBD biscuits, put it in their water, whatever. Yeah. And it's it really works. I've seen it work pretty well with dogs. Neat. Um, they're able to, to stand up. They're able to walk. It adds, adds some more time to their clock. They can. Hmm. So I would, I would tell people, give it a shot. Why not? Very yeah. cool. Especially at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we're coming in on just about over an hour. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't w- want to take up too much of your time, but did you have any final questions that you wanted to ask, Brian? No, I just know that you have a different businesses, a variety of different businesses, yeah. the Greenfield Glass Co., the Cigar Shop. I mean, do you want to plug any of those and yeah, kind of you know, um, where, where we can find more information? I appreciate that. The, the Greenfield Glass and Goods is, is, is right next to the pot shop. In there, we've got a lot of good glass, a lot of good quality glass. For smoking, marijuana. I know there's, we've got other smoking accessories too, but we also have Black Rifle Coffee. We were the first. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're, Evan Hafen and I were our, our friends from college, and uh, I was lucky enough to be the first retailer in the Lewis Clark Valley to carry it. I think after that, um, Billy Jeffries over at GNC and the guys up at the Firing Ridge started carrying it also, but we were the first. Very proud of that. We got a great assortment of all their coffee. And then we also have a growing selection of vinyl, which has yeah. been which has been a really a great pull for folks in, in the valley because vinyl has made it a really cool. Well, and local music too, and right? local music and, and stuff. Actually, we local got local artists, uh, music musicians, painters, visual artists, the whole nine yards. Yeah, Marvin messaged us, asked if we had any flyers or stickers that you guys could put in there. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, Marvin's done a great job. He's Marvin's kind of a legend in the in the local valley seen over the last 30 years of music and art and all this stuff. He's, he's an interesting personality. He'd be a great guy to have on your podcast. Yeah. Way. His band, Jody and the Fosters, played at uh, my fundraiser one year, Smash Escape. So, yeah. Great guy. Yeah, he might come in and go straight up punk dad and spit all over the room. But Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. He, he'd probably help you clean it up. <laughs> well, I've been into the Scar Shop, uh, I think, twice Scar now. Shop's awesome. Scar Shop's really cool. Yeah, when, are you gonna get, uh, when are you going to get baby. tobacco for pipe tobacco? Yeah, that's my huh? question because huh? I'm yeah, a big I, pipe I tobacco to. guy. I, I wanted it to be a, a tobacco-type shop. You know, for, yeah. for pipe, I did say earlier that smoking a lot of like nicotine is bad. That's on the inhaling side, really, really bad. But you don't. Well, inhale there's cigars. a lot of other right. stuff in yeah. that. Yeah. You don't inhale cigars. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of impurities in cigarettes. But you don't mm-hmm. inhale cigars. You don't inhale pipe tobacco. I really wanted to have pipe tobacco. I wanted to have all the the, the valley tobacco enthusiasts to be able to come to a place that had good, upscale, high quality stuff to choose from. Kind of like CD had. Over well, we it. Do. I know we and missed that's the void gift that we filled so much. Well, yeah. and and as a person that buys pipe tobacco regularly myself. The, the shops in town just aren't good. I'm, no. I'm sorry, they're just not. So I end up having to get stuff off of pipesandcigars.com all the time. Mm-hmm. And whereas before, I used to go to Gift World because he had great stuff that he cut yeah. and cured himself yep. from the Palouse. The Puerto Rico rum was still out of the hundreds oh, of varieties so of pipe tobacco that I've tried, my favorite aromatic by far. Mm-hmm. And so it would be cool to have somebody in the valley that, that could provide that level of of yeah. tobacco, even I if agree. it is the bigger brands. It's what came down for me was it's a, a small shop, and I've got 10,000 cigars crammed in there. <laughs> it's awesome. Nicely merchandised. I'm really proud of it. Yeah. There's not, there's just not any room 
that I can make right now for pipe tobacco. And the main reason I didn't do it is because Washington taxes on pipe tobacco is skyrocket, just like mm. cigarettes are compared to Idaho. We're on the border. People largely buy their cigarettes in, in, in Idaho because it's so much cheaper. And they wouldn't it, – it, there's not – like you say, there's not a lot of pipe tobacco over in Lewiston, but people will buy it over there versus coming and buy it in Clarkson. Cigars is the one item that I, Washington is very low and Idaho is very high. Huh, that's I wonder what, that's that what is. tipped the scales and made this make sense. I love cigars. Oh, that's interesting. There's a 65 cent flat tax on cigars in Washington, which is pretty cheap. Yeah, that's not bad. Idaho, it's 40% on the MSRP. Hmm. So a $10 cigar in Clarkston will cost you $10.65 plus sales tax. And Lewiston's going to be $14 wow. plus sales tax. So hmm. there's an advantage coming over to Greenfield, Washington, 99420, if you're going to get your glass <laughs> and your Black Rifle coffee and your albums or your marijuana products or your fine cigars. Very good. Yeah, and, and the shop is just really cool. I, I like the, the layer of mystique when you come in and it's like, whoa, this is really tiny. And then... Whoever's behind the counter goes, come into this door. And you go into the door, and it's just this big space that's full of mm-hmm. awesome cigars. Yeah, it's, it's hidden. It's a lot really of folks cool. get, get uh, confused by that. They'll walk into the front where all the accessories are and a few cigars, and they think, wow, what, really? This is mm-hmm. all you got? Until they go into the back, and then it's <laughs> it's really the, cool. The seized part, and wow, there's cigars everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I got some really, really good ones in there, too. I'm really super happy about it. Yeah. Man, what, did you have anything else you wanted to plug? We cover everything you wanted to cover. Um, I I don't want to. I just want to thank you guys for letting me come out, come on and do this yeah. and, and vocalize some of the history of that. And I want to. I'd like to throw a shout out to all the folks that, that helped to, to make this happen. I know I get a, a lot of credit for it, and and Aaron as well for for pushing it through the court system. But really, the city of Clarkston are the they're the folks who came and and made this happen. They had to vote for it twice, and they did it. And. Uh, it really it it showed the rest of the state what a small town can do when it really wants to because it, it there were there were some folks out there that who are still sitting on moratoriums that can't that they can't open up and um, we were pretty pretty lucky to have the, the direction and some leadership from guys like Brian Colstad and then Skate Pierce after he took office as well and uh, the the support from everybody who came to all those city council meetings and, and were vocal and Never, never gave up, never stopped, and, and made their voices heard. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to thank all those folks. It's, you've made everybody's life better in, in Clarkston and really in Lewiston, even though no one's ever taken anything over there. Of course not. No, yeah. 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 Well, hey, thanks, Matt. I mean, we really appreciate your time. We know that you're a really busy guy between your various businesses and you're traveling a lot. So thank you so much for coming in and chatting with us. Yeah, thank you. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Cool. I hope that maybe I can come on one of these days again and talk about something else. Anytime. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard rumors that you guys are going to have Joe Rogan on. I'd, I'd love, <laughs> I would really love to come on when Joe's oh, on. Oh, Joe and I go way back. Yeah. We hunt together all yeah, the time. Yeah, our schedule's you know? just too busy. I, we can't yeah. seem to fit him in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll tell you. I'm too busy whooping his ass in jiu-jitsu, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 He comes to us for private lessons. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the next, yeah. beyond marijuana, the next big um, grassroots effort to legalize is going to be mushrooms, in my opinion, and hopefully one of these days we'll be sitting here talking about cybacillin yeah. mushrooms and their benefits to the human body. I tell you yeah. what, Joe Rogan's a big proponent of that, along with Paul Stamets and the work he does in Shelton, and I end up at Washington State if University. If you haven't listened to yeah. the Paul Stamets episodes of Joe Rogan, stop what you're doing and go check it out. Oh, it it's amazing. I've watched it six times, and I just pick up more and more stuff every it's time. Just so it's so cool. crazy. It, yeah. He got rid of a stutter. 
in the most insane way possible. Uh-huh. That, that episode of the show is what got me into Joe Rogan's podcast. Yeah, it's probably one of his most watched shows mm-hmm. ever in mm-hmm. the last few years of, of the Joe Rogan experience. And again, sort of a local tie-in because Paul Stamets, the mycologist, yeah. does some research at WSU. I park mm-hmm. next to a, a – they have a bunch of bee boxes. I park next to those. He set those up, so I think about them every time I pull in. Awesome, yeah. yeah. Cool. I, it, it makes me want to save the bees every time I – I, I hear Paul Stamets talk. About we should it. get Paul Stamets in here. You totally <laughs> should. That'd be cool. Hey, if he's going to be a Pullman, I, I don't know how yeah. you get a hold of him. He's well, just... I have a WSU email. I'm working on okay. a degree up at WSU right now, okay. so maybe he'll see that. And... <laughs> Hopefully he hears this and we'll come down and chat with you. There you go. That would be fantastic for everybody in the Valley at the, old, the old Spiral Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks a lot. It was good thanks, having guys. you in. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Okay, everyone, so that was Matt Plemons. That story was very inspirational for us here at OSP, and whether you agree with the cannabis culture and the community that's been cultivated uh, here in our area, you have to admire the hard work and perseverance that Matt's exhibited through this through this process, and also his partners, his legal team, and the Clarkson community um, in, in seeing this through. We really enjoyed this discussion and are very proud of the product that's been coming out of the studio here as of late. And we would like to thank our listeners for continuing to support us. If you'd like to support the show monetarily, you can subscribe to our Patreon. And if you're a business who wants to support the show, please reach out to us at oldspiralpodcast at gmail.com for info on becoming an advertiser. Thanks, everyone.